From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza with The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie and Brian. And welcome to the desert scene. There's a lot going on in town right now. Busy, 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 busy. Pride <laughs> week. Um, uh, so I got my booster yesterday. My <laughs> Moderna COVID booster. Sore arm, little headache, but not bad. Not bad. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling good about that. Oh, I'm, I was going to get my booster this week, but I got sick last week. So now I'm like on the recovering end of it. Yeah. So if you hear me try to talk it's not covid i got tested twice he got tested he's all right he's i'm all right and but it the funny thing is no one got sick and i've been sick since last saturday so i was like wait a minute and my it's one of those things where like the only sickness that's spreading is throughout my body not outside of it Mm -hmm. which was well you know you never know because sometimes you you might have touched gone to a store and touched something and somebody else and just a cold and you know you just never know I, I my theory is that because the day before I had ice cream at the movie theater at around 8 p.m. for an 8 p.m. screening, mm-hmm. and I have noticed that like it, it is not the wisest thing for me to eat cold things at night, mm-hmm. especially considering that the climate's changing, and also yeah. because after the movie, I went someone had invited me out to a drink, mm-hmm. and so I had a drink which was another cold beverage, mm-hmm. and I had one, and. Then when I went home, I drank some cold water to go mm. to sleep. Yeah, you, yeah, I probably shouldn't drink. If you're gonna, I would drink room temperature, you know, or warm something before you go to sleep. Probably. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're right. And I was thinking, when I woke up that morning, I'm like, oh, my throat's kind of feeling kind of weak. I'm gonna mm-hmm. get up and do my radio show. So I got up, and then when I got home, I was like, I'm a little tired. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I went to sleep, and I woke up with chills and f- uh, chills and i was yeah. like coughing and i was like uh-oh oh yeah that's <laughs> these days you get really nervous yeah and i was sitting there like oh my god and then i grabbed my mask and i put it on and i just went to the other room and i told my mom we gotta disinfect the door i i disinfected everything and mm-hmm. i went to go get a covid test the next day because they were closing which i do have a rant about that i i think that we should have enough covid tests that people should just walk in because I mean, I, th- I would have felt better that these, day. These I, days, yeah, you'd think that they. I mean, it. They've done a pretty good job, and of course, all the vaccines have been free and all everything. But yeah, you'd think that there'd be places you could just walk in, get a test, and know in an hour, or two hours, or whatever, you know. Because my mom got the booster two days after Saturday, which was the day I was sick. That was the worst one. The chills was what scared me because mm-hmm. the chills were the one thing I yeah. heard. And I checked my temperature, and at first I said. Oh, before I went to sleep, oh, it's all 99. That's that's a little high, but not too bad. Mm-hmm. And I tried it again, 101. And I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> so, yeah. I, so I called John, and I and I think I, I try to tell everybody, but I don't know, when you're sick, sometimes you kind of don't think straight. Oh, you, you get a little foggy brain. Absolutely. So I yeah, felt yeah. bad for not telling everybody, but then I was like, you know what? I'm going to get tested because I'm going to do this thing where I checked in with a few people that – I was around the other day like because symptoms after two days or three days you know you almost feel like you're an expert at this mm-hmm. point but i called someone and said are you sick mm-hmm. they said no i feel fine yeah and i called sunday are you sick yeah i kept calling people but, are you yeah. sick are you sick are yeah. you sick and nobody was nobody was my yeah. parents didn't get sick and i was worried about my parents mm-hmm. if anything and so i got tested negative i got tested at the clinic negative and so 
by the way, if you're ever sick, please go to a clinic because um, I went to a clinic where they uh, gave me a vaccine or an injection for some for medicine, and oh, it, I felt so much better afterwards. Like yeah. I felt alive. I felt like wanting to dance and yeah. all that. And so, I I don't know. It was one of those things where it was a COVID scare for me, mm-hmm. certainly. And I feel like people. I'm I mean I'm not trying to frame myself as oh my god I survived my COVID scare, but it is. But it's still scary. Of course, of course. I don't blame you. You know, I'm thinking, based on what you just said, that, you know, when you were at the movie theater, I mean, you're at movie theaters, you might have touched a a seat Uh, or even the place you went to get a drink, you know, and it's just just a regular cold, not, you know. But, you know, you go out, and this time of year, you touch anything, and they're germs sometimes, so. That's true. And also, I feel like because I I noticed that when when I got sick, I started to, like, use hand sanitizer more mm-hmm. more so and i do have portable hand sanitizer but when i go to the movies i don't do that sort of thing yeah. so maybe now because i go to the movies so often i got a good be idea just do it on a regular basis yeah well the good news is we're both good you're you're feeling much better i i'm not having a bad reaction to my booster so it's a good thing Lot, so much going on so much going on the other night i went and reviewed hedwig and the angry inch at um desert rose playhouse they did a great job you know it's not my favorite show in the world. I have to preface that. I, I saw it in San Diego. But they did a great job. They really did a great job. The, the leads are fabulous, so I would recommend that. Chuck Yates directed. Fabulous. Um, and um, uh, tomorrow, I am singing and the Pride festivities on the, on the park stage at 3 o'clock. Woo-hoo, I'm yay. doing the 20 minutes, 25 minutes. There's a bunch of different performers, so I'm I'm doing that. I'm really excited about it. What so. songs um, are I'm you I'm not going to tell you. Oh, no. No, you got to come see. I don't want to tell you all the songs. They're like, well, we don't need to go now. We, need, so. we heard Bonnie do that yeah. one. <laughs> but so. I was going to say, like, for your song process, when you choose songs for it, were you choosing songs specifically for Pride, or you just were like... No, well, you're first of all, you have to sing with tracks. So you have that's one. You know, what tracks do I have? What tracks can I get? And I wanted to do stuff... Mostly upbeat, because it's pride, you know. I oh, mean, there's yeah. six songs, and there's only one that's sort of uh, slower. The rest are all, you know, kind of up latin or fun kind of thing. So. Uh, you know, the funny thing is that Hedwig came out literally the week of pride, so I was mm-hmm. thinking that the other day, like, mm-hmm. that is... I think g- they did that deliberately, yeah. And I think that's such a great show to watch. Now I, now I heard, and now I know you said it's not one of your favorite shows, mm-hmm. but what makes, for you, like, even though it's not one of your favorite shows... Like, do you still feel like you admire? I, I, I don't know how to put it, but like, I guess because I, I think you did answer like the production wise of it. Mm-hmm. But like, what, what was the difference between this version of it versus like the first production you saw of it in well, terms of quality? Well, like, I, t- I saw it in San Diego a few years back. Some friends had some tickets, took us, and I can't remember the name of the theater, and I apologize, but it was a big, big theater in San Diego, um, live theater. Um, you know, obviously they have more money to spend. You know, it's a really big theater in San Diego. Um, but it, this was pretty pretty darn good, does it, Rose? I mean, they're, the band was great. They have a band. Christopher Doe no? oh, yeah. is, does keyboards. And um, uh, I forget the other people. But the band was on stage, rock and roll band on stage. They were terrific. And the two leads, it's just basically two people. It's Hedwig and I forget the other character's name that, that's um, his sort of... Um, sidekick husband who used to do drag um, and actually it's a, it's a real life husband and wife who uh, play the parts and they're fabulous they're really really good both both of the leads it's uh, it's stock or something it's stock yeah yeah, yeah, stock. yeah very good excellent both of them were excellent 
um, and that costumes were good, and that yeah. So I mean, it was a very really good production. Again, it's not my favorite show. I like the 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 show Rocky Horror more than the show Hedwig, but but they did a great job. You know, it's one of those shows where like I've noticed that like <clears throat> Hedwig is a little bit more less universally loved. Yeah, I don't know how to put it this mm-hmm. way, but it's a not a more out there, you know, fringe kind of thing. But it's kind of one of those things where like. Rocky Horror is such a mainstream show at this yeah, point right. that Hedwig is like when you watch it it's like okay now this is underground yeah, now this yeah, is actual yeah. underground I have to watch it is it going to still be on next week oh yeah they, they they just opened Thursday and they go through the 21st I'll have to go so. because yeah I'd be curious to, yeah. to get your take on it because I want to see it and yeah. I and also because I want to get over this code so nobody hears me in the audience like <clears throat> like yeah, every yeah. other second even do you have water or something over there? Yes, I okay, do. Okay, good. There we yeah, go. Yeah. Keeping myself hydrated. Okay. So let's see. What else is going on? Um, now, I was going to say that. Did you hear about what happened in uh, Sweden with the ABBA tribute concert? I did not. Wow. So in Sweden, there was a... You know how there's a lot of ABBA tribute bands and all that, mm-hmm. and especially in Sweden? So what happens was that it was one of those um, shows where it's... A concert hall with about seven floors, and an 80-year-old man fell from the concert hall and fell on top of a couple, killing himself by accident. And, and one of the people? One of the people. Oh, my God. And the wife, uh, it was a husband and wife, and the wife survived with non-life-threatening Oh my god! Injuries. Why did he fall? Do they know what happened? Why? I, I was under the impression that it was like a horrible accident. Like you know, were people dancing around and moving around? Is I mean, or he I'm just trying to think. That lost his balance for no reason, or we don't know. I think because he was an older man, it might yeah. have been like a lost his balance sort of yeah. thing. Because he fell, and so he passed away along with the man that he fell on, <sighs> and the 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 tragedy of it. It's just a. It's such a sad tragedy in general, but ABBA has said that they're trying to respectfully not over promote their own concert Mm -hmm. out of respect because they feel like that that promoting their concert in the middle of all that was not great. And so I think the concert. Good for them. I think the concert got canceled too because Mm -hmm. you know you can't have a concert like that. But um, that's what happened in Sweden. It's sad. Yeah. Very sad. And I, I was genuinely shocked because I think it could be a case, like you said, that maybe people were having a really good time and dancing and, and all that. And he just got bumped or jostled and just fell. Yeah. And then ABBA's album, Voyage, actually comes out, actually came out this week. And so Voyage has newer songs, but it also has one, one of the older songs, um, just not, I think it was called Just a Feeling, Just a Notion. And so far, it's gotten pretty positive reviews. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're an ABBA fan, you're going to like it. If you're not an ABBA fan, it's more or less the same thing. It's And now, I'm sorry if I missed it. Now, is this all new songs or they're mixed in some old new? Um, it's the second one, but mostly new. So, like, 75% of the album is, like, new stuff okay. that they recorded now versus older stuff. And so, it came out this week, and the reviews have been positive with mixed results like mm-hmm. some people saying it's good but it's like almost the same thing as like you heard in the 70s yeah. so if you like that stuff from the 70s you're not yeah. gonna have you heard any of it i think so i i've heard of i've heard some mm-hmm. i've heard most of the songs and i gotta say it's i don't know how to put it i i think they're good songs 
I just think that if anything, they almost sound the. It almost seems like the chess Broadway experience bled into it because it does sound like Broadway music. Mm, okay, it, interesting. It sounds yeah. like a ballad, like um the song, um, I'm, I'm trying to. F- I still have faith in you. It sounds like a song that. From a Broadway show. It sounds like a song mm-hmm. from Mamma Mia, specifically. Okay. I can imagine the mom singing, singing that, that to the daughter. Yeah. I can hear, I can see where these songs could fit on a Mamma Mia 3, mm-hmm. but I, I'm I'm okay with the songs. Like, they're good. I mm-hmm. just I, I just don't think they have, like, the punch and kick of, like, Dancing Queen or Knowing mm-hmm. Me, Knowing You. Yeah. And so I, it's a good album. I just wouldn't, it, it's more of a nice reunion album but it yeah. almost feels like i was fine with just the last album yeah. the one before it being the last yeah. one because it felt like a good finale this one feels more like i need more yeah you know what it's funny because that reminds me of that the, one of my favorite phrases in the world but entertainment always leave them wanting more and sometimes you got to just stop you know yeah. let's do that and that was great you know and sometimes people drag stuff out and dilute it and mil- water it down and then it's not as impressive no. and and just a thought I do want more ABBA but I don't know because I was kind of like it does sound more like they're catering towards a Broadway audience mm-hmm. and I feel like ABBA shouldn't do that yeah. I don't know how to put or it or maybe say way. ABBA does Broadway whatever alright <laughs> we'll be back with more news and some great guests later on in the desert scene in just a bit Desert Scene on Radio 111. Cultural events and the people who make it happen in the desert cities with Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza. So a casting decision has been made in the Wicked film adaptation. So for those of you who don't know what Wicked is, it's the original Broadway show semi-based on The Wizard of Oz, but it's based on a book about... It was Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Menzel. Who, Menzel, orig- yes. who originated the parts of uh, Alphaba uh, and Glinda. Alphaba being this um, green witch who has a really hard time fitting in and her best friend, Glinda the Good Witch. Mm-hmm. And it's a story with social commentary and sometimes, you know, maybe hinges of like romance between the two girls but it's always been about friendship it's yeah. always been about friendship B- with bff bff yeah and so they finally cast alphaba w- who's going to be played by cynthia rivio who was the original uh main character seely from the color purple so the musical color purple on broadway yeah yes and okay. she also played harriet on harriet tubman yeah. in the harriet tubman movie good for her and also ariana grande will be playing glinda the good witch she has mostly been a singer and she's done some movies mm-hmm. but for the most part she's always mostly been just a singer and she did some acting with nickelodeon on shows like victorious but ariana grande evidently is the bigger of the two stars well her name is more recognizable oh yeah certainly know. certainly and ariana grande is um for she's the only thing she has done so far in terms of like broadway musicals that i've that you may be able to have access to is she did a production of hairspray for nbc hairspray live she played penny pinkleton on that one okay so i gotta say that i was actually really happy with this ha- casting decision 
but I can see, but my thing about it is, is, is the chemistry. It's not so much for me, the two individual women. It's about whether or not they can work together, about whether or not they, I think if they can sing the song popular together or like, because uh, Defying Gravity and Popular are songs where even though one person is singing them, it's about singing to another person or with someone watching you singing it. Like, Defying Gravity is not a song that she sings by herself. It's a mm-hmm. song where she's singing it to Glinda. And mm-hmm. Popular is a song about uh, being popular, being sung to Alphabet. Right, so it's yeah. about the two girls mm-hmm. working together. That's what I think... My concern is whether or not they have chemistry. Yeah. I, well, well, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it's a show where your chemistry matters more than your individual performers. Like your individual performers can be great or amazing, but if they have no chemistry, it doesn't work for Wicked, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. I think you're right. In fact, I, I and of course, I never saw the actual Broadway show, but uh, went on the Tonys. Mm-hmm. Remember the Tonys? And they did all these duets. And, and Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Menzel did. Uh, because I knew you, uh, and it was fabulous. And you, they had major chemistry. I mean, you could tell when they were singing to each other that they're very close friends and got to be very close during this show and that they really love each other. And that came across. And that was big. Yeah. And I was surprised that um, that Dove Cameron wasn't chosen for the part of um, Glinda. I think Dove Cameron... Who, now, who is that? I don't know who that she is. She played... Um, have you seen the Hairspray musical? the hairspray live musical no Mm-mm. well she basically played kristen chenoweth's uh daughter in that version okay so i was surprised that she's they kind of the pay- snobby snobby daughter that thinks she should win everything and yeah, yeah. okay so i can kind of s- i would have picked her at first but then mm-hmm. ariana grande makes sense for glinda because she is sort of like this glamorous like movie star in a way that glinda would be able to be personified mm-hmm. And Alphaba being played by Cynthia Reveal makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people are seeing that it makes sense for a black actress to play Alphaba because the idea is that she gets discriminated for the color yeah, of her no, skin. No, I think that's where. And, uh, but you, ha- you have to be realistic about Ariana Grande. You know, part of the reason they cast her is her name. Oh, yeah. Because no, they yeah. know she's going to bring people to the movie theater. I mean, that's how Hollywood works, you know? Especially considering that their director, John Cho, directed a musical called In the Heights and with mm-hmm. known big names it tanked at the box office even though everyone agreed that it was a good movie mm-hmm. it's just that I think the way I've been saying this movie musicals are struggling right now because yeah. unless they have a big name attached to it they struggle at the box office and I think it's because people get the impression that they're going to be embarrassing to watch like because Cats came out mm-hmm. and Ca- I think Cats really killed movie musicals uh, from right now. Yeah, I think for, for a while, yeah, but it was people were so disappointed with that that yeah. And I think what I love about Ariana Grande is that she can sing cuz I don't know if you're like me but I am kind of tired of seeing musicals cast the name with who no can't sing- really sing. Who yeah. can't sing like No. You're right. Like, I agree. Emma Watson in Beauty and the Beast when they did the reboot for it can't sing I also <laughs> Piers Brosnan in Mamma Mia yeah awful awful singer <laughs> I'm trying to think of who else is like a bad singer in yeah. the movies but like I've seen too many musicals where they just cast people and I'm like look I know that name's gonna get butts in the seats but we need singers but but, but and here's the thing there are I think there are a plenty of well-known names 
in the business actors who also can sing. You just got to yeah. find the right person. There's plenty of them out there. And we're like know? in the case of Julianne Moore where I didn't know she can sing, mm-hmm. but she can sing yeah. and Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, so that's what you got to you got to go out there and find the ones that can sing. And there, there's enough of them out there if you really do some you know, research, do your job. All right, we're going to be back. we take a break. We're going to come back with Fritz Coleman. I'm so excited to have him on. Of course, he's been a broadcaster in L.A. for years, and he's doing a wonderful show called Aging Gracefully During a Pandemic, a benefit for Jewish Family Services of the Desert. We're going to talk to him in a bit when we come back on The Desert Scene. and Brian continue with the desert scene on Radio 111. Here they are. And we are back on the desert scene and we're so excited to welcome to our show Fritz Coleman. He has been uh, part of the LA scene for 30 years on NBC, four Emmy Awards for his broadcast. And I didn't know that he's also a big stand-up comedian and was one of Johnny Carson's favorites, was on The Tonight Show many many times. And he's got a, sh- a show coming up here, a benefit for the Jewish Family Service of the Desert. Hi, Fritz. How are you? How are you? Good. Happy to talk to you today. Yes, thank you so much. And um, it's, I'm learning new stuff about you. I did not know that you did a lot of stand-up comedy. So did that come first before the broadcasting, or was it kind of always two parallel tracks for you? No, it's really how I got my job doing weather at Channel 4. I came out here in 1980 to be a comic, to work at the comedy store, and to write for other comedians. And um, in 1982, I was performing at the Comedy Store, and my friend who worked at NBC at the time brought his boss and his boss's wife to see me perform one Friday night at the Comedy Store. And I talked on stage about having... I was in the Navy for four years, and when I was in the Navy, I was a broadcaster, and I did the weather, but I had some anecdotes about having to do the weather but not knowing anything about it. Yeah. And I spun it into a tale. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the conclusion of the show, I went backstage to meet these people, my uh, my friend's boss and his wife. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is a really odd question, but do you have any desire to come to Channel 4 and do some filling work for me, like on weekends or vacations. I I have a Maine weatherman that hasn't had a vacation in a year. Would that be anything you would be interested in doing? And I said, oh, my God. I was making $45 a night at the comedy store. Uh I I said, oh, my God, when do you want me to start? Yeah, yeah. And he said, well, you have to audition. Mm -hmm. So I auditioned and got the job. Mm Mm-hmm. And I did utility, that is, I filled in on weekends and vacations for two years. Then my predecessor left, and I was bumped up to the main weatherman job, and I was there for just a couple of weeks shy of 40 years. Wow. It's the greatest stroke of show business luck in the history of show business. Wow. Now, did you, did you have to do a crash course on, on, you know, on the, 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 the nuts and bolts of weather? No. 
No, when I when I was invited to do it, I was in, I was invited to do it because they wanted somebody with personality. personality to yeah, do it. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was the palate cleanser between the tragedy and the sports. Okay, it wasn't about meteorology. Right, it wasn't about climate change and all that. They just mm-hmm. wanted somebody to keep people from tuning out. And yeah. I did my job. I couldn't get the job now because now weather's being taken very seriously. Yeah, everybody's got their meteorology degree and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, so tell me about now. You've done, written, and performed a couple of uh, one-man theater things: the reception and it's me, Dad. So, tell me about right. how those came about. Well, I, I mean, I've been doing stand-up. Um, I did eight Tonight Show performances, and so I was getting a little bit of a rep doing stand-up. And then my father passed away. And mm. so I, I, I'm an only child. I had a very odd relationship with my father. And the, the revelation for me was when I went to his funeral, I know this sounds depressing, but it gets mm. better later. Okay. Um, uh, when I went to his funeral, uh, I was astonished listening to the testimony and the, um, the eulogies of friends and family I was astonished at how little I knew about my father. Mm. And uh, I, it was interesting, and then it was depressing. And at that yeah. point, I made a promise to myself that I would never allow that to happen to my children. They would never be blindsided with information about me that they didn't know when I passed away. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit and write out every aspect of my life, good and bad. I'm going to get a camcorder sit in my den and record this for my children just sort of being totally open with them about all my flaws and everything and then i'm going to put it in a safe deposit box and when they're 18 years old they can watch this thing but they'll never be able to say they didn't know enough about their dad so i began to tell people that i was doing that and people said you should turn this into a theater piece it's a great idea you know i talk about you know, my dad was an alcoholic and now alcohol is a, a problem in our family. And there are various aspects of it that made it sort of a common experience. Mm-hmm. So I wrote it and it became my first one person show called It's Me, Dad. And then the general manager at public television in L.A., KCET at the time, uh, came to see this and loved it and said, I'm going to buy your play and I want you to come and perform it and we'll use it as a pledge fundraiser at KCET. And so that's what I did. And they ran that show seven years in a row on Father's Day at KCET. So that that was a great honor for me to have the ability to do that and make some money. And then, uh, so I didn't start it to be a one-person show, and just to, at the suggestion of others, I, I had the ability to share this experience with other people, and it was very, I must say, it was very touching, um, uh, the, the, the response I got, and here's a little additional uh, uh, point, after that show aired on KCET, the, uh, again, public television in LA, the first time, I got home from the show, we had done a fundraiser for public television that night, and I got home, and the and the producer of the show at KCET called me and said, I'm going to give you a phone number. I want you to call it right now. Even though it's 12.15 at night, I want you to call. This person desperately wants to talk to you, and he's very important to KCET, so please don't 
slop this phone call off. Mm-hmm. So I called this person at 12.15 at night, and it was Marlon Brando. <gasps> wow. And Marlon Brando was very moved by this piece and began to, you know, and this is a time in his life when people didn't know him, and he was, he, he, he sort of became... Um, um, you know, a punchline. Yes, and it was, yes. You know, the Marlon Brando jokes. Mm-hmm. But I must tell you, I had about a half-hour conversation with this man. He could not have been lovelier. He was asking me questions about how I workshopped the play, how I wrote it, what was my writing discipline. Mm-hmm. He talked about having taken a streetcar named Desire on the road and how Tennessee Williams was would come every day with new pages and it was so hard because they had to memorize like all this additional dialogue before they would perform that night. Yeah. I had the best conversation with Marlon Brando for about a half hour. Wow. And I, I think I breathed in that half hour period about twice. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of the great moments of my life. And, um, there was nothing humorous or odd about it. He could not have been lovelier. And, uh, Anyway, that was wow. my first one-person show, and then I wrote another one to follow called The Reception, which was a fictional story about divorce. Mm. And I did it with 100 uh, high-definition photographs that were projected behind me, and I cast people to be in the show. Uh, and uh, they, they were just still photographs, but I created yeah. this this uh, fictional wedding reception that takes some twists and turns, but yeah. ultimately it's about divorce. So uh, that's how the one-person show happens over and above my regular stand-up game. Oh, that okay. Was a very long answer to your question, and I apologize. Yeah, no, that's okay. I just want to make sure we get in the... So Aging Gracefully During a Pandemic is the show that you're doing for uh, the Jewish Family Services uh, yes. at, at Temple Sinai, Palm Desert, Sunday, November 14th. Uh, doors open for guests 3 p.m., including a pre-reception auction and raffle. Tickets are $50, VIP $125. Tell us about how this yes. show came about. Well, uh, the, the folks down there... Uh, had gotten wind that I, I did this type of performance and invited me to come down there. And I was more than happy to do it. I've done some fundraising for Jewish Family Services in Los Angeles. They do an astonishing job. And the need for their services has never been greater than it has been during the pandemic. And I thought this is a great opportunity to go down and talk to the beautiful desert folks and meet those people and we're going to do a show for them and i i I promise you'll have a good time there are no politics involved there's nothing that will assault your consciousness you're just going to spend an hour being taken out of your cares and you'll have a great time and that you know i think that's what we all need right now yeah that's the kind of show we all need so are you writing a book you should if you haven't don't have a book already i think you should be writing a book about your career and your life because it's so interesting you know i i thought about it i've had I've had some astonishing experiences. I, I really love to tell my stories on stage. Mm-hmm. And so until I'm too old to do that, maybe I'll hold off on writing a book. And then when I can't stand up with a microphone for an hour, <laughs> then I'll then I'll commit it for uh, a book. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I love the writing process. Honestly, 50% of the comedy business for me is the writing, writing. and creating of it. It's, it's the satisfaction of 
sitting in your house and being convinced that you're so funny. Yeah. And then, of course, you're often proven otherwise on stage, but it's it's fun. Now, do you? I always love to ask this question. Do you? Are you one of those people that says, "Okay, today from uh, ten to noon, I'm going to sit down and write," or today from three to five, or do you just write when when inspiration comes to you? No, that's that's a great question, and no, I'm very. Uh, disciplined about my writing. Mm -hmm. I write at least an hour a day, and if I can do two or three, that's good. And um, uh, over this pandemic, uh, I've written, and I've also rehearsed because we haven't been able to do live club dates. Mm -hmm. And so comedy is a muscle that needs to be continually exercised. Yeah. And so without the ability to go out and be in front of a live audience, I rehearse at home. So I'll write for an hour or two hours and then sort of walk around my house talking to myself, scaring my cat <laughs> and making the neighbors question my sanity. But, okay. And are, are you, do you live, you still live in L.A.? Is that where you're based, Ada? Yes, I do. I yeah. live in Toluca Lake, okay. which is in the San Fernando Valley. And I've lived here for 40 years and love it. Raised my children here. Excellent. So again, uh, this show is called Aging Gracefully During a Pandemic. It's a benefit performance for Jewish Family Services of the Desert. Of course, the fabulous Fritz Coleman wrote it and starring in it. Um, doors It's Sunday, November 14th at Temple Sinai. Doors open at 3 p.m. Pre-reception ra raffle auction. And for tickets, you can go to www.jfs for Jewish Family Services, jfsdesert.org. Org. Well, this sounds like just such a lovely show. So do you have, you know, three or four other shows percolating in the back of your mind for the future? Yes, I, bookings are starting to pick up. And I named it that in, in, in an effort to come up with a title because uh, it's going to be, there are two, two threads of common experience that I'm going to talk about on stage. One is the pandemic and the other is getting old. And both <laughs> I've experienced okay. in spades over the last year and a half. So uh, we'll just have fun. There'll be something for everybody to relate to. Uh, it sounds like such a great show. I really encourage everybody to go check that out. Aging Gracefully in a Pandemic, Fritz Coleman. Thank you so very much for being here. What a fascinating guy. And um, I can't wait to for when the book comes out. I know it's going to well, be down oh, the road. That's nice, Bonnie. Listen, I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to talk about it. I think people have a great time. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Fritz Coleman. Have a great show. Stay safe. All right. You too. We'll be back Thank with you. so much. You're welcome. We'll be back with more in the Desert right. Scene in a moment. musical theater to literature and all the other stuff we enjoy in between making desert life so vibrant you're listening to bonnie g and brian mendoza and the desert scene on radio 111 here's bonnie and brian and we're back on the desert scene and we've got some more entertainment news this is really disturbing oh yeah no so, tell us a story well we'll definitely try to end the segment on a positive note with mm -hmm. some updates to the um wicked news okay. but but 
according to Lana Wood, who is Natalie Wood's sister, Natalie Wood is the star of various movies, The Searchers, Miracle on 34th Street, West, West Side, Side Story, Story, Rebel Without a Cause, Splendor in the, the Grass. grass yeah. Yes. So, so many great movies. Now, Natalie Wood's life has always been sort of troubled over the years. A tragic death. Tragic drowning, death. Yeah. And there's even conversations about Robert Wagner's being involved, being yeah. involved, mm-hmm. and all that. But recently, there is a new book coming out called Little Sister, which is supposed to be the detailed memoir of Lana Lana Wood's relationship about with Natalie, yeah. Natalie, and all that. And she she had put some allegations in the book about Kirk Douglas that apparently, allegedly, um, Kirk Douglas actually assaulted, sexually assaulted. Uh, Natalie Wood in 19, in 1955 during the filming of the movie The Searchers. Mm. Now, according to these extracts, um, there was a situation where Lana Wood said that she was in a in a car and then Natalie went to go meet with Kirk Douglas and she came back really angry, mm-hmm. very dishevered, very mm-hmm. obviously not in the best upset and something happened. Yeah, something happened. Yeah, and she said that over the years her mother and Natalie had agreed to not say anything because they were worried about her career being mm-hmm. ended. Yeah. And there's also a conversation too about how Natalie had told Lana, do not talk about this mm-hmm. ever in your life. You know, I don't want you to talk about it because mm-hmm. this is not something I want to have my name dragged through the month for. And so now, so she's decided to to now because Kirk Douglas died? Is yeah. That, so that she felt freer to talk about it, I guess? Yeah, and so basically what had happened was that the rumors weren't far from there was a lot of rumors about this actually mm-hmm. it turns out that there was rumors about kirk douglas being not the best with guy. other with other women too other women mm-hmm. okay so, uh, so there's been so when kirk douglas died his name actually trended the same day as nally woods trended so mm-hmm. they, those two names trended together the day mm-hmm. he died last year okay and so with kirk douglas with that being said Natalie Wood is one of the few. Uh, Lana Wood finally decided to, you know, speak out against it. Mm. And I, you know, <clears throat> I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I really have mixed. I mean, first of all, I, I am, you know, absolutely consider myself a feminist, and I think women should be believed. And I think that you know, it's gone on for many, 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 many years, way too long where they weren't, and it was all swept under the rug and all of that stuff. And people, men, should be held accountable. Anyway. Um, but then you have to wonder, first of all, if it was true, if Natalie Wood said to her, don't ever in your life talk about this, then you're wondering, well, why is she? Why did she not follow her sister, late sister's wishes? And the other thing is, they're both dead at this point, and I'm not quite sure what the purpose of it is. You know, I have mixed feelings about it. I guess it's, I guess that's a good question. The purpose, because the fact is that like you can't hold Kirk Douglas it's accountable. He can't go to trial. You know, accountable anymore. Yeah, yeah. And Nellie Wood can't really say anything about it yeah. anymore. And Lana Wood has been very protective of um of Nellie Wood's legacy for a while. That she's actually one of the very few open celebrities to hold Robert Wagner responsible. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of people have their own opinions about Robert Wagner. And I think he was involved in some way. Yeah, I. That's I, all I'll say. Like, and that's the key word. Think, because yeah. I think I think so too. I wasn't there. You know, none of us were there. But there's just too much weirdness. Uh, yeah. Even if it was an accident, there's something he had to do. He didn't want to. He didn't want to call the authorities. He delayed the search. There's a lot of stuff going and, on. With and it. I think personally, I think the reason why people are, might be more willing to believe 
Lana's uh, uh, belief about Robert is because there's so much there about Robert Wagner. Mm-hmm. And plus, like, Robert Wagner is, you can hold him accountable at this yeah. point. Yeah. Kirk Douglas, I definitely am more of a, I definitely believe women, and I do believe a lot of men have gotten away with stuff uh, over the years. For years, like, in Hollywood especially, yeah. Like, Tippi Hedren, like, I believe uh, her about Hitchcock. Uh, well, uh, Hitchcock was weird. He was a weird guy. Yeah, yeah. and even Janet Lee had her own things mm-hmm. to say. Um, funny enough, Jamie Lee Curtis had said that Janet Lee would actually have been freaking out about the Me Too movement had she been alive for it, because she felt that... Janet Lee was very much like, I'm just going to keep to myself. And so mm-hmm. she would have been shocked that so many women had spoken out. She didn't want want to bring it out in the public. Yeah, I understand. But yeah, the Kirk Douglas thing, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I'm really torn about it because, so it, let's say that was true. Okay. So it's kind of a black mark next to Kirk Douglas's name. I don't know. I just and don't know. Michael Douglas did respond saying, may they both, this is what he literally said, may they may both, both rest, rest in, in peace. peace. Well, that, that's kind of my, my viewpoint, too. I mean, I, maybe it happened. I don't know. It's unfortunate if it did. I wouldn't be surprised. But, um, but what's the point now? That's, yeah. The thing would be that I would encourage people to read the memoir, certainly, like if you want to read more about it. But I definitely would say that it is the part of the memoir that everyone's going to talk about is of the course. Kirk Douglas thing. Yeah. And it's not that I have an, a particular attachment to Kirk Douglas. I don't. I mm-hmm. don't think. Personally, I don't think Kirk Douglas is one of those celebrities you get attached to. Like yeah. his son, Michael Douglas. Yes, sure. Yeah. But Kirk Douglas, I just. It's one of those things where, again, it's like you're unsure because both of them are gone. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know because the the one point would be Natalie Wood's not alive to, to sort of validate it mm-hmm. and Kirk Douglas is not alive to be accountable yeah so. and so I think Michael was right may they both rest in peace if it happened it's unfortunate may they both rest in peace and let's move on I basically yeah oh yes alright we'll be back with much more with Brad Mercer on the desert scene in just a bit From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza with The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie and Brian. And we're back on The Desert Scene, and I'm so happy to uh, welcome a good friend of mine who's wonderful, multi-talented guy, radio, music, short films, all kinds of stuff, Brad Mercer. Hey, Brad, how are you? Bonnie, it's been so long. How are you? I know. It feels like, I don't know, 10 years or something since we talked. I know it, it's not, but it feels like that. So you have... Well, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> you have... I, I'm somebody... I wear a lot of hats, and I really like wearing a lot of creative hats because it just keeps life interesting. But you do as well. You have... First of all, you have Brad's Pad, live classic rock, every Tuesday, 7 to 10 p.m. at the Lit Lounge at Fantasy Springs. And you yeah, great band, and you have uh, guests come in. Also, you, I know you, you did radio for years and years and years. Um, let me right. looking through my uh, oh now you're the creator, creator and host of Brad Mercer's bands bands and fans syndicated radio show so and there's so much to talk about first t- tell us about the Tuesday nights Brad's pad tell people about that well Brad's pad is uh, a phenomenal for uh, place for us to be mm-hmm. and the way it came about was I'm out at the rock yard I've been out there for 16 years uh, you know hosting that mm-hmm. And one night, Paul Ryan came up to me and says, uh, listen, the, uh, the, the Lit Lounge is, is dark on Monday or Tuesday. 
if I were to give you the lit lounge, would you be able to put any body in there? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it depends on what you want me to do. Yeah. He says, do, do what you do best. Mm-hmm. I saw your band. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, you want me to put the band in? Oh, mm-hmm. I thought you wanted me to do it, you know, a dance review or something. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, no, he, um, he actually uh, put, we all put it together with no budget, nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And went in, and long story short, first week we, we drew 20 people. Second week, second week we drew forty, mm-hmm. and it kept doubling. Yeah, and because we would change the show around, we we would do a a, um, a three hour nonstop classic rock show. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't take a break. Started it out with three musicians. It was me, a drummer, and a bass player. Mm-hmm. And within six months, I had a full six-piece band Hmm. and we rehearsed every day and put together uh, a high-energy show Mm -hmm. and it it wasn't a a show where where you would go to 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 talk or dance it's a show where you would go and sit and watch because you never knew what was going to happen and we uh, we put comedy in Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we would um have special guests, mm-hmm. which we would rehearse the night before so that everybody was on the same page. Yeah. And it started to really go. And now we're into our fourth year over there. Wow. Doing Brad's Pad. And uh, I've got Brett Walco coming in, stand up comedian, who's going to do a, a short set. Uh, we've had Gary Mule Deer. We've had uh, uh, people who, who dropped by who worked the main showroom would mm-hmm. stop by just to just to come and see what's going on. Uh-huh. And a lot of fun. It's, it's It really is. It's a high-energy show and so much fun every Tuesday. All right. So, all right. So, that's one thing. Now, also, uh, talk about, and you've, and you've done so many things. Um, I know you started a music career at age five. You recorded lots of albums, six albums. And I did not know you also... Uh, were in the comedy circuit opening for the likes of Jay Leno, George Collin, and Jeff Foxworthy, and you, uh, you mm-hmm. did you do impressions in comedy as yourself also. Well, you know the impressions that every comedian does impressions. They mm-hmm. start off yeah. doing it, and and I don't know why it's it's a it's a thing everybody did. Even Don Rickles did, mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, I fell into it with the help of Jay Leno. Uh, I was in. Um, Jacksonville, Florida, I had a comedy club and I was running the club mm-hmm. and Jay, Jay and I had worked before in Las Vegas. And so he calls me up. He says, I hear you got a comedy club. <laughs> and I said, yeah, Jay. I said, mm-hmm. uh, too bad. I can't afford you. He says, all right, you can afford me. Come on. We'll ride motorcycles. I'll come on over. And I, I think I paid him 750 bucks mm-hmm. to play my club. Mm-hmm. And then a radio station heard us do it. They picked me up to to do a, a radio show. And then as that progressed, and I got on the air there at this rock station, uh, Jay calls me up and says, hey, you still got that comedy club? And then he'd come in again. Yeah. And then he hired hired me to travel with him in theaters to open for him. Oh, that's great. So that's how I got into the stand-up comedy thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing with George Carlin and Jeff Foxworthy, uh, Sam Kinison. Uh-huh. 
you know. Wow, some so amazing I, I, people. I got some good. I got some good tutoring. Let's put it that way. Now you also. I'm looking at your bio. You wrote, produced, and directed a comedy spoof on the popular TV series CSI Miami called CSI Alm Prings. Now tell me about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One night. Uh, I was coming home from work because, well, uh, to be honest with you, I was fired from uh, from one of the radio stations I was at. That happens to all of us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, you're not a veteran unless you exactly fired, exactly. Right? So anyway, and I'm driving home, and I see this sign on Gene Autry and Vistachino mm-hmm. that says Alm Prings. Okay. Yeah. So so some I guess some thieves had taken the letters. The, yeah. The P and the S, yeah. right? So I'm laughing. I get all I get home and and I had watched a, a rerun of CSI mm-hmm. Miami. Mm-hmm. Saw David Crusoe's delivery and how he his character. Yeah, and that cracked me up. Mm-hmm. I, and I I liked the way he talked. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost like a a, a, a poor man's uh, Bill Shatner. Yes, yeah. So so anyway, I'm figuring okay. Um. A hit and run becomes a homicide in the city of Alm Prings, okay. but it's not a human. Ooh, okay. So that sounded funny to me. Okay. So we we made we turned this skunk into a, a major character, and the skunk is the one that gets killed. Mm. So I wrote the script like you would write a CSI episode, mm-hmm. those kind of characters. And before you know it, I had people in there like like Terry Reed wanted to do a part. Mickey Thomas wanted to mm-hmm. do a part. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, we'll, we'll make this an exact hour episode. Mm-hmm. Took us a whole year, Bonnie, to shoot it. I did. A, we did it on two flip cameras. Yeah. M- my wife, Connie, helped me direct it. Uh-huh. She was very brilliant. And I did all the music, and I put other people who had original music yeah. to write for the soundtrack. Took us over a year to do it. Um, it has its own website, csiomprings.com. Okay. Have to check and that out. And you can see the movie. All right. And then you also have a film, Sushi Anyone, which was won, won the award for Best Film Short at the La Jolla Film Festival. was screened at AMF and Film Festival. Tell us about that a little bit. Okay, quick shot on that. That was written back in 1992, uh, my first attempt for a screenplay because I was a big Tales from the Crypt fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrote the script, sent it in. They loved it. They were going to produce it. And just out of the blue, the rocket scientists there decided to drop the show on HBO. Mm. So it never got shot. And 25 years later, my wife's going through the the drawer here, sees the script. She says, what's this? I said, that's something I did a long time ago. She Mm -hmm. says, well, I I hate it, but I love it. (laughs) And I said, well, what are you trying to tell me? She says, you've got to shoot this. There's people out there that would love this. Um, You know, Tales from the Crypt is dark humor. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and horror. So we did it. We put it together. I got the Pedersen brothers. Remember them? Mm-hmm. Mike and, and Larry Pedersen. Yeah. They had a, a company, and I think they still do. Yeah. Uh, we raised enough money to shoot it, and uh, we did it in 10 days. 
Uh, it's 33 minutes long. It has its own website, uh, sushianyonethemovie.com. Okay. And talk, talk about, I want to get in here also, the, the, your syndicated radio show, Bad, Bad, Brad Mercer's Bands and Fans. Is that that's on now, and where can people hear that? Yeah, that's uh, uh, every Saturday. In fact, it's on today. Okay. Uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. on Kicks Hot Country. That's the hub. Okay. You can go to 96.3 FM in the high desert, 92.1 in the low desert. Uh, of course, it streams worldwide, but it also airs in the UK on uh, spectrumradio.com. Wow. And uh, it's in Belgium and Australia. Wow. And, um, but it's every week, you know, Saturdays from 4 to 6. Excellent. And so, so and, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say, I, I, I showcase and spotlight the unsigned and newly signed new country indie artists and bands locally and from around the world okay. that don't get airplay. Okay. Excellent. Now, at this point, are people, how do you find them? Do they send you? Do they find you? Or you find them kind of a, a mix? Uh, no, they they come to me. They okay. they go to a, a Brad Mercer's BNF, which stands for Bands and Fans. Mm-hmm dot com and they uh they fill out a little thing they send me their uh their track mm-hmm. and if it uh if it fits the genre and it uh, you know fits the show and it's yeah. produced well yeah uh, i'll play it um we uh with brad's pad getting back to that real yeah. quick mm-hmm. uh my guitar player and music director is peter sutter and peter and i over a short period of time, have got to know each other like uh, it's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the songwriting that we do together, we've written songs, uh, we have recorded an EP. You can get it on Amazon, uh, mm-hmm. Spotify, and, and you know anywhere that that, that sells these things. Mm-hmm. But we wrote uh, a three song EP together. Uh, the uh, we call ourselves Mercer and Sutter, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I heard Chip Miller on your show last week. Yeah. And I don't know if he mentioned it, but he, he's the one that uh, produced and directed our official music video. Excellent. Yeah, he's done, he does so much of that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 But then he, on top of that, he liked the song so much that he, um, he signed us to an exclusive contract. Wow. With That's... his company. And he's, uh, he's already put the song in two major films. We have one in production right now. Mm-hmm. Um, songs called "I'm Coming Home." Okay. If you go to if you go to YouTube and put in "I'm Coming Home Mercer and Sutter," you'll see the video. Yeah. Or you or you can go to mercerandsutter.com. Well, Brad, I just have one question for you. Will you stop slacking? My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm slowing down. <laughs> no, you got down s- in my old age. You got so much <laughs> going on out there. Congratulations on all of it. So you got to guys got to go check out Brad's Pad Live Classic Rock every Tuesday, seven to ten p.m. at the Lit Lounge, Fantasy Springs, and of course um, the your radio show, Brad Mercer's Bands and Fans. Congratulations on all of your you. You got so much going on. You're really getting your creative juices, all your creativity out there and sharing it with us. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bonnie. You got to come out and see the show too. I will. Thanks. One of these one of these nights, I will. Well, listen. Stay safe out there. Get some rest in between all this stuff. And uh, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. You bet. Bye bye. All right, Brad Mercer. We'll be back with more on the desert scene in just a bit. 
likes to read. She likes to sing and act. They both love the Coachella Valley. And they love talking about the desert scene with you on Radio 111. Here's Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza. So we're going to talk about, since it is Pride Weekend here in Pond Springs, because it's hot. It, it's hot during July, so we don't get Pride Weekend here. Uh, Pride Weekend over yeah. in July, but we get it in October, which or November, because trust us, we prefer it that way. But we're going to talk about very briefly two stories that involve the LGBT community. Cal Penn, who you remember from the House, and you also remember from Harold and Kumar, the the mm-hmm. famous movies about two boys who basically smoke weed all day and wants to get mm-hmm. a burger from mm-hmm. from White Castle. And that's the whole journey of the movie, but it's actually like a really funny I, movie. I like this guy. I always liked him on House, yeah. On House, he was yeah. really good. I think he showed real dramatic range on that show. Mm-hmm. So like, I've always thought of him as underrated, but he recently came out of the closet in his memoir, and he has recently announced that he's finally getting engaged to his partner of 11 years. Good for him. It seems interesting that... I always think it's like the most interesting thing that Elvira and Cal Penn, you know, managed to hide their partner for, for that like, many years. For that yeah. many years, mm-hmm. especially considering how heavy the press can be about things. Yeah, press can be really intrusive. Yeah. And so, and it's fun. And coming out of this, I got to say congrats to him because yeah. I do think that. I do want to address that. I, I do I do find it kind of a little sad that he his coming out story doesn't get as much press because. Uh, even the last year they had a guy named Colton Underwood who came out and I thought he was the most boring person in the world and his pr- coming out became all over the place and was all over the news and all that and I thought mm-hmm. oh what a boring person and Calpin is not a boring person mm-hmm. he worked for the Obama administration mm-hmm. and he is I think he has a fascinating career so this mm-hmm. is just another uh, level yeah one more thing about him yeah and in Middle East however there's this movie, their superhero movie called Eternals, which has a very big cast, Gemma Chan, um, Angelina Jolie, Richard mm-hmm. Madden. And the film is directed by Chloe Zhao, who is the first Asian-American woman to win Best Director at the Oscars, second woman to Good ever win her. that. Yeah. So she has had, so she's a very, she's a director that really wanted to do something different. And so she got the opportunity to helm the MCU the Marvel Cinematic Universe's um, the superhero that famous superhero franchise their very first LGBT relationship and the first kiss between two men in that movie Mm. so it might not seem like a big deal but it actually was in my, it is a big deal because of the fact that it is it's finally on screen you actually see them kiss for like on camera for like three good the good old 30 seconds you know but in it but the problem is it the the fact is that that kiss you would almost get the impression because it's in one isolated scene that they would cut it out Mm -hmm. but chloe zhao and disney finally decided wanted to keep it in they they kept it in Uh and chloe zhao said in an interview part of my thing with disney was that they would not edit my movie when Mm -hmm. it goes to other countries Mm -hmm. that the only thing they would edit is a dub yeah yeah because Disney has had a history of making gay characters in their movies and then taking out their one scene mm-hmm. for Which, the distribution. Which, thinking of the brand Disney, I'm not surprised that they have ha- used to do, have done that. And yeah. So when they go yeah. to China, and for example, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker had a scene where uh, two women hug, 
and they kiss, mm-hmm. but it's so in the background that if you don't yeah. notice, you don't yeah. notice. Yeah, yeah. But even then, in China, they had to take out that whole scene. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see it, there would be this awkward cut where someone comes out of a ship mm-hmm. and everybody walks to reunite with their loved ones and you don't see them hug their loved ones. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of an awkward thing. Yeah. But in this case, because it's so front and center, they couldn't cut it out. And mm-hmm. so Disney has set, so Disney, Marvel, and Chloe Zhao said no we're keeping those scenes in Mm -hmm. and so three middle eastern countries saudi arabia qatar and kuwait will will ban the film because it features a kiss and so angelina jolie said uh, has some thoughts about it she basically said that she doesn't fully understand how anyone could be so ignorant and then she said i'm sad for those audiences in those countries because she's she doesn't understand how we live in a world today where there are people out there who would not see the family that the hero has Mm -hmm. and the beauty than the relationship that they have and she said how anybody is ignorant about it threatened about by it doesn't approve or appreciate it is ignorant you know Mm -hmm. like how is this still going on some people just have closed minds that's you know and in the movie it's a very you would almost argue that that the family in the film the gay family is a very stereotypical family just in general like if Mm -hmm. it wasn't for the fact it was two men it would just be like a husband, wife, right? Or, or very in this case, standard, hu- yeah. Very standard husband, husband, yeah. child, and so you would almost think of it as like a very like if you wanted a steamy kiss, you wouldn't get one because it's not mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So it seems kind of a little silly to me in those countries that they banned it, and because they did tell Disney, you know, we can see show those movies, you just got to cut them out, and they decided mm-hmm. not to do it, which. Surprising for once that they decided to keep it in because mm-hmm. usually they cut it out in the mm-hmm. past. Well, you know, maybe we can look at that as progress. You know, no, I definitely agree with that, and I think that it's an it's curious that it comes out the same weekend as like Pride and Pond mm-hmm. Springs. It's not mm-hmm. planned, of course, mm-hmm. but I am glad that at least company wise, Disney's like keeping strong to uh, to their audiences, and I feel and I do mm-hmm. feel bad for the Saudi Arabian audiences mm-hmm. who. Well, Saudi Arabia, I mean, my God, they have just b- some bizarre laws and things. Censorship laws and all <sighs> that, yeah. I can't imagine living there. My goodness gracious. All right. Okay. Uh, much more. We're going to be back with the fabulous Will Donato in just a minute on the desert scene. Brian continue with the desert scene on Radio 111. Here they are. And we are back on the desert scene, and I'm so very excited. We've had a great show today with great guests to welcome the fabulous Will Donato, who is an amazing musician, saxophone player, and just a really nice guy. Hey, Will, how are you? Hi, beautiful. I was enjoying your bio. I didn't know that. I I heard that you had a star on the Walk of Fame, but I did not know that. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, that was in 2017. It's right in front of 420 Bank. Uh, uh, well, you know what? If you're a singer, writer, actress, or radio personality, they better give you a damn star. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I, I'm very. It's one. It was one of the um, highlights, career highlights of my life. Absolutely. So you are just. 
just hot hot as can be right now. I mean, you've got, first of all, you have this number one spot on the Billboard charts with infinite your radio single, Infinite Soul. It yep. reached three million streams on Spotify. Uh, tell us about that, first of all. I know we've got a lot of things to cover. You know, it's funny because, you know, in the business of, of music, you try to set your brand and then you put it out there and you just never know how it will be received. But, uh, you know, my... <clears throat> my acronym is always basically don't compete, but just excel on your own, you know, in your own wheelhouse and do the best you can and getting things that are authentic to yeah. us yeah. And, and, and not try to, I don't really jump on trends just to, to get accolades. So I really just stick. And a lot of it's just based on how I like to perform. So mm-hmm. I write songs that service my show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, you know, I try to, I'm an upbeat guy, cancer survivor. So I try to put a really, positive message in my song so sometimes I just write you know for my set list I need an opener I need a closer I need something you know ballad or sexy but in the course of doing that one of my, my one of my musical children went number one on Billboard that is <laughs> Which, so great so I exciting know, Bonnie, I couldn't believe, you know it's funny to watch it it's like watching a stock you know yeah go up and down yeah yeah and and you know how it is you as a, a performer you know we genuinely love you love your strike bands and you love your you know mm-hmm. Clooney's and you love yeah. your crawls and you know and for me watching the causes and the David Sanborns and all of a sudden my humble musical child just keeps going on up the charts and it's just very thrilling and you know I- sometimes you need a little you want a tiny bit of recognition you're not in it for that it doesn't hurt it's with nice all the hard work yes it's a nice thing like your star uh, absolutely you know, it's nice you when put the every, time in and mm-hmm. yeah. And you got I mean you got so much going on. First of all, you have a, a ra- current radio sing- single The Goddess written for your wife. What a nice tribute that is. You know, it's funny because I feel like with 10 CDs on on my under my belt, I notice in a lot of art, the poetry, the written word, a an artist will eventually realize these these little titles that we always write, you know, will you know, riding down 111, you know, yeah. tramway. I'm like, what do they all mean? They're not really telling a story. And I thought, yeah. you know, I want to celebrate my wife. Mm-hmm. It's just the things that make my life complete yeah. kind of start and end with her. And, mm-hmm. and I was putting together, Bonnie, you probably laugh at this with the way we craft albums, but I was looking at titles that you typically write, like, getting down, jumping up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What, all this, yeah. what do these dumb titles mean? I yeah. Want to, yeah, you know, so I thought I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this album themed for my wife, and mm-hmm. it's not all just you know, puppies and flowers because my wife loves to dance. She loves James Brown, so some of the songs are very funky, mm-hmm. but they all have something to do with us and things we laugh at. And yeah, hopefully things that other people can relate to. So it's not just you know Bonnie's smile, Bonnie's eyes, you know right. Diana's smile, but. I'm having really a lot of fun writing it, and I um, I just thought, I, I can't just, you know, you know when we put these albums together, you know, they just, do these titles all add up to something? Yeah. <laughs> um, and especially for, you know, you're a singer, you, you get to sing a lot of words for mm-hmm. when you're an instrumentalist, sometimes your titles are the only shot that you get yeah. to get your message across. Yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. but I'm, you know, I'm such a huge fan of yours. I. Oh, you're you know, very sweet. I kind of moved out here just to put my head down and crank out music and then pop up once in a while, look around. And uh, so sometimes I don't hit all the gatherings, 
but I am such a huge fan of the artists out here and well, this, we're, we're, we're blessed. The desert really has a lot, I mean, a lot of talent. Oh. It's amazing. Now, I want to get a couple things in. we got a bunch of stuff to cover. We want to make sure we cover. First of all, you're going to be at the La Quinta Arts Festival. Tell us about that. You know, that's November 14th. Um, we're going to be on the amphitheater stage from 1 to 4. Why I love this festival, because a lot of times I've been on tour lately, I don't get to perform the originals in, in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We have such a good, like you said, a good crew of people that know how to do lifestyle out here in the desert, and we just absolutely love them. And sometimes with post-COVID shows, my shows have taken me out of town or even in L.A. or Orange County, and especially with season just starting now, yeah. we miss these friends. We have not yeah. seen them, you know, and um, it's just, you know, we just, I, I'm a people person, and I love to engage, and I'm just you know, look people in the eye and I listen to their stories. I, I love that. Yeah. And so to see our friends, you know, back again and, mm-hmm. and people enjoying themselves, it is really joyful. Yeah. And you also have coming up in December, you're part of the Desert Jam for Well in the Desert. Tell us about that. Well, I love charities and any chance I can do benefits for charities, I jump at it. I, I, my mom passed away from Alzheimer's and I'm oh. a cancer survivor. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really... I don't care about the math. If someone says, do you want to do the Alzheimer's walk? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to know what it pays? No. Yeah. Are there granola bars? Yes. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. I <laughs> That's hear you. That's all I need. But um, for me, the well in the desert is a, such a beautiful, um, potent, you know, advocacy for, for the homeless and the poverty and the veterans. And I just love Arlene Rosenthal, um, the key person on that charity. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm just really honored to be part of that. And I know every little bit helps. Yeah. You know, you do, we all do the best we can as artists to raise money. But um, also, I love Chris Gore's band. He's got mm-hmm. such a great house band. And, yeah. um, and I enjoy working with Chris. So he has a nice group of artists performing. And I'm, I'm just glad to be part of that family. But, you know, I notice sometimes our, our fellow artists, some of these benefits, they almost treat them like they're concerts. And, and I've actually kidded a couple of friends I go, you don't know what charity you're going for? <laughs> what the? Who are you? Yeah, exactly. That's important. Know, yeah, yeah. Know your charity. Yeah. Oh, I thought this is all about me. No. No, it's no, it's not. It's hey, what, I want to get one other thing out, which I think is so great. And it's hard. It's hard to think of you as a grandfather, but you uh, did a, a CD of lullabies for your grandson. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, you saw that. Yeah. Oh. So sweet. You know. I am not a, a COVID lamenter because we all paid our dues. But, you know, I thought I didn't get to see my grandson much during that pandemic mm-hmm. just because of travel restrictions and so yeah. forth. But then I thought I was going to write an original lullaby for my grandson, mm-hmm. an original one. It came out great. So then I thought, you know, I, I swear to God, I do this sometimes, Bonnie, and you might try this when you put an album together. I go on iTunes and I look up um, what's been done. I did a Renaissance holiday CD last year, Celtic, Celtic, mm-hmm. excuse me. Mm-hmm. And I found that the competition was not competition, but the, the selections available were just real dated or yeah. just not hitting the mark. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, okay, lullaby. I thought, okay, it's going to be glutted. And I realized that a lot of the lullaby CDs are sort of like, um, you know, um, kind of theater voices, just 
singing, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little yeah, star. Yeah, yeah. I thought, these lullabies aren't lulling. Yeah. <laughs> it's more about the performer. So I thought, wow, who would think that there's a niche in the lullaby market for a lullaby body that actually lulls? So yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah. I got my friend Steve Oliver, who just moved out to the desert, mm-hmm. wonderful nylon guitar player and mm-hmm. you know multi-billboard build, number one artist, and we just literally strummed these things like Puff the Magic Dragon, and I play flute, so I played flute and nylon guitar, oh. and we didn't do anything clever, Bonnie, we yeah. just made lullabies, and, yeah. but I was shocked. You know, sometimes when you program your next album, you think, wow, maybe, let me see what people have done in homage to Rosemary Clooney or something. Sometimes you'll be shocked that what you think will be out there. It, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just. I looked up. I actually looked up Italian guys myself who play saxophone, romantic Italian music, or even some fun ones like Louis yeah. Prima and Sinatra. Yeah. Nothing. Wow. Like an instrumental version of that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Literally, maybe one guy in Italy, yeah. but it wasn't recorded like <laughs> yeah. like we would do it. Yeah. But I thought. Why isn't there like a saxophone Sinatra album out there that's done right? You'd think, you know? yeah, yeah. But it's so funny when you look up these, you know, the next time you sit down to do a project, go, you know, my friend Will has an idea, you know, from movie themes to mm-hmm. just things things that interest you. Yes. I'm, I'm constantly shocked that the market's not serviced sometimes. It blows mm-hmm. me away. Mm-hmm. You know, but anyway, sorry about, the, sorry about my passion here. No, that's great. And it's interesting because I've never heard any other musician really say that or, or, t- or say that they do that kind of research. That's interesting, you know, that yeah, you really take like the time to, see to do that. what's out there. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm literally shocked sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. what? There isn't just like a Dave Cause doing my way and, you yeah. know, yeah. right, not corny, but done sexy. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm like, holy crap, billions of music on iTunes or Amazon. It's not even, I mean, it, it, it amazes me, Bonnie, sometimes when I have these ideas about, you know, just projects. Anyway. So, do you, so do you write a lot? Do you write a lot of your own stuff? I write a lot. Um, I used to literally wake up with a cup of coffee and write at least eight bars of something. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to, I don't want the listeners to think I write symphonies every morning, but yeah. sometimes I, I I call it I'm writing from my boneyard of choruses or verses. And it was more just a fun thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then sort of like Jim on taxi. Attention dated reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, okay. Wow, Alex, I've got Two hundred songs I've written, you know, yeah. I gym at the piano, on yeah. taxi, you know. So, um, but I really love it, and I can write under deadlines and pressure. Like if you said, "Hey, Will, I'm going to produce your next album. I need ten songs by December fifteenth. I can deliver. Excellent. Are they all hits? Probably not. Maybe album cuts. But I, I can write under pressure. Well, that's important. Now, I'm looking at the uh, stuff I have here. Uh, in the studio, working on your next full-length album, Elevate, to be released in late 2020. Was that released, Elevate? Elevate's out, and I'm actually okay. writing a, a CD now that's uh, going to be ready for uh, first quarter 2022 called Legacy. Mm. And I didn't write it to be aggrandized myself. I, I'm starting the album with what is your legacy? Yeah. Celebrate your own legacy. Yes. So that kind of, rather than, you know, check me out all about me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wanted to just make it more, all the verbiage and all the promotion definitely says, basically we all have a legacy. Celebrate your own legacy, however that is. What so, a great message, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, instead of, you know, 
all about me kind of isms. So yeah. I'm kind of excited about that too. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of how I'm going to do this next project. I might do all my friends that have complete studios because I've done that in the last two albums where mm-hmm. I like call you up. Hey, Bonnie, yeah. can you sing a chorus from wherever you're at? Well, yeah. well, we we're running out of time, so I want to just get this in real quick again. La Quinta Arts Festival, November fourteenth, one to four, Desert Jam for Well in the Desert. I think it's December sixth, and uh, in- December 6th. Infinite Soul. Check it out on Billboard. Billboard number one. Congratulations on everything that you're doing. Uh, it's such uh, great. Um, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, and we really appreciate you being here. You're you're just the best. Thank you so uh, much. And you know what? I I wanted to ask you too, maybe off the air. I want to come and see you sing. So okay. have a great weekend. I love and appreciate you, Bonnie. Oh, thank you so much. All right, Will Donato. Love him, love him, love him. Great. Thank you so much. We'll be back with more on the desert scene. Desert Scene on Radio 111. Cultural events and the people who make it happen in the desert cities with Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza. Hey, why don't we talk about some pop culture history? Let's do it. So November 4th, which was a couple days ago, so now it's November 6th, but if you're listening to this podcast, this would be from November 4th, uh, 2021. But on in 1879, November 4th, the first cash register was created. All right. So this man, James Jacob Riddy, opened up his first saloon in Dayton, Ohio in 1871. But what had happened was that his employees would steal money from him. They would pocket the money and he would have no way of figuring out like how much money he made, how much money he lost. So basically what happened was that he went to this like uh, steamship trip and became fascinated with how the machine went full circle the ship uh propellers and all that so he basically went home and started working on this cash register machine Mm -hmm. and so he managed to create this machine that would manufacture cash registers uh this factory that would make cash registers Mm -hmm. and he would have a salute open the machine for the cash registers didn't succeed as well but but he sold it mm-hmm. and so it made a lot of money and of course that good for him so I, it's interesting like it, I, it does make sense because his cash register does keep track of everything but mm-hmm. I was like I didn't I just who knew that it was specifically to to deal with like loss prevention and all mm-hmm. that yeah makes sense yeah and yeah. then the next day November uh, 5th in 1937 Silly Symphonies the movie The Old Male which is one of the darker more serious Disney Shorts won an Oscar for Best Animated Short, and it's basically a short about an old mill and all the creatures that live inside of it. It is probably one of the first ones without Mickey Mouse in it, and it won an Oscar. Mm. And also on November 5th in 2007, the writer's strike happened. Mm. So yeah, that was big. So what happened was that the writer's strike had happened because of negotiations between the alliance of um, film producers breaking down and so it lasted for about until february 26 so a couple months and it pretty much just uh delayed productions on 60 tv shows and 
it cost about three it lost a lot about three billion dollars to the local los angeles economy and even audience and one of the biggest jokes is that audiences learn to read again after that yeah okay <laughs> and so the incredibles also came out the same day so that superhero movie about the superhero family came out the same day november 5th 2005 and november 5th nine 2007 snail uh Actually, this was in 2007, but it arrived in 2007. So in 1917, in to November 5th, 1917, a young man named Warren, Walter Butler sent a postcard from the battlefield to his fiance to her house, and it didn't arrive until 2007. Well, what year was it sent? 1917. Wow. And it had not arrived until 2007, and the woman lived at the residence of the house was the... It, I think the woman doesn't live there anymore, yeah. but eventually got to the house of the, I think, their granddaughter. Uh-huh. So she finally got that letter. The Wonder older where woman. it was all that time. They they don't know. They're trying to figure out the Wouldn't mystery. Wouldn't it be fascinating to find <laughs> out where it was all that time? And so the daughter, 82 years old, finally got the letter. Yeah. And who knows? Because that took forever. They wow. actually, I think that's probably one of the main origins of the word snail trail. Yeah. Snail, snail mail. Uh, snail yeah. mail. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine. Like that took, that was 90 years. About 90 years. It must years. have just been stuck in a corner somewhere for a long time or something, you know? It's, it's kind of like where you're like, I'm just going to put this in the side. Yeah. And you forget and to it's just forget about there, it. For there forever. Wow. <laughs> wow. And then um, in 1990, November 6, a part of the Universal Studios backlot was destroyed. So some of the most iconic sets include a King Kong exhibition and one of the sets for Back to the Future. They destroyed them deliberately? It was. I think it was an accidental fire. Oh, oh, it was a fire. Okay. And and yeah. some and some film negatives got destroyed. So like some of the original film negatives or some movies got destroyed in that fire. But it it is the second fire within twenty years that it, I think there was one in nineteen seventy or something like that that actually occurred. So Universal probably needs to be very careful about setting things on fire over there. Yeah. But you think? <laughs> yeah, it might be a wise idea. And then November 6, 2001, the TV show 24 debuted on Fox. If anybody remembers, that show basically plays out in real time. It's like a terrorist attack. I remember. Wasn't that Kiefer Sutherland? Yes. And so each season, it would be like 24 episodes, which would mean one day. And it was one of the shows that it was iconic for having that clock, that dune. You saw it. Yeah. You know what it is. If you know what it is. And. I remember watching it and I used to actually get really excited but the joke about the clock got old real quick. I if you were a parody writer in 2001 and you did not use the clock joke from 24, I praise you because that joke was I dead. praise you. <laughs> and Thank it, you. And then finally we'll go ahead and just say in 1972 for November 8th the first pay TV channel appears for the first time HBO. What year was that? 1972, and wow. November 8th. Wow, doesn't, that seems so long ago. I would I imagine the HBO was more of a 90s invention, but then I forget it was made in 1972. Yeah. All right, some interesting stuff. Thank you so much to our guests today. Fritz Coleman, Brad Mercer, Will Donato, wonderful guests. It's Pride Weekend. Go out there and check stuff out again. I'm going to be singing tomorrow, 3 p.m. at the park stage. Hope Woo! to see you there. Woo! Stay safe. Get your vaccination. Get your boosters, all that stuff. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>